Hello everyone, this is Xander Broffel, Director of Marketing Operations at CS2 with the Forward Thinking Podcast. Today we're discussing account-based marketing frameworks that we've developed at CS2. We're going to be focusing on ABM strategy, target account management identification, account hierarchies, and ultimately account funnel tracking. Joining me today is Chrissy, who is going to be flipping the the book a little bit and will be interviewing me around account-based marketing, which I'm very excited for. This is definitely a passion of mine. Thanks for joining me today, Chrissy. Yeah, thanks for having me, Xander. I'm excited to be back in the questioning host pseudo position (laughs) Um, where I feel most confident now. (laughs) I'm just kidding. I like you've been doing so great as, as guests. So thank you. Um, But yeah, I, I, I wanted to switch it up because um, I think ABM has been a big focus, especially for some of Xander's uh, clients recently. Yeah. Um, And so I thought it would be great for you to kind of share some of your, uh, uh, expertise here, but also just any kind of like anecdotal kind of examples from, from some of our clients. So, um, so yeah, just to like kick it off, I, I just, you know, I think most people know what ABM is account-based marketing. Um, and you know, it's not really anything new. I think before we all called it like kind of target account marketing and, and now it's like account-based everything, you know? Um, (laughs) so, uh, we, you know, but I think right now why it's still even more important is, you know, budgets are tight and companies need to be laser focused. And so with that, I think there's a, a like people are still kind of like leaning into account-based marketing even more, whether they wanted to or not, like they, they kind of need to. So, um, so to kick it off on Xander, can you, just start though and and just like how like describe for everyone like how account based marketing to you you know work similar or different to traditional kind of like lead generation yeah absolutely um the there there's a visual that it has always been in my head and uh it was the it was from my first cmo who kind of positioned abm years ago and she she came out during the sales kickoff and she had a giant bucket of rubber ducks and she dumped the giant bucket of rubber ducks on the table on the stage and they splattered everywhere right and she said this is marketing today this is what we're doing today we are sending out messaging to all the ducks in the land and we're hoping that any of these are going to bite And instead, what we should be doing is selecting all of the blue ducks. They were all multicolored. Mm. We should select the blue ducks because those are the ones that align most to our target accounts. They're the ones that have the most likeliness to or likelihood to convert into closed one business. And it's where we can put the majority of our dollars. And I loved that visual. I wanted to share that visual today because if you're ever trying to figure out like, it's not a complex process. It is really just saying, how do I do marketing more smart? Um, You know, we, we kind of joke like ABM is just good marketing. 
um, because you're targeting the right buyers, you're getting them the right message, you're honing in your craft to do marketing really well, and you're you're surrounding them with multiple channels to ultimately get them onto your website and in front of your sales team or in front of your product if you're also you know complementing this with a PGL motion or sorry yeah. PLG motion. I I think one good thing to note there too is you talked about you know getting them to your website or running, you know, your campaigns that I think some people will confuse, okay, ABM is outbound. And it's like, no, that's not, that's not right either. There is, yes, there's an outbound motion to ABM um, because you're not just solely reliant on kind of like, you know, inbound marketing. Um, But ABM is just more being like laser focused on certain targets. And and I think for, for a lot of companies, you do have a very specific total addressable market. And then you have accounts underneath that that are just, you know, more a better fit. And then you have yeah. accounts underneath that that have a higher propensity to buy. And, then, and so then you're just like focusing, like what she said, into those blue ducks. And so, but it does, you're still, you know, taking those accounts and trying to run targeted campaigns toward them, um, you know, paid ads, things like that. So I, I, I think that traditionally some, some people also just confuse it with just like outbound and I, I, I disagree. So I just, I think it's good that you kind of uh, cleared that up. So, um, when it comes to, so we're talking about how with ABM account selection is crucial, right? Because that's what you're doing. You're whittling the world <laughs> for the sales and marketing team to focus of accounts. Um, and this is super useful. Like think about how many times you see contact sales people come through or um, you see an SDR who gets a lead and, you know, schedules a meeting and then they're like, oh, this company is just not the right fit for us. And <laughs> so it's trying to mitigate some of that. But as far as actually, you know, focus and selecting those accounts, like how do you suggest companies just start that process? And, and why is getting this like right? Or what are the things to getting this right? And like, why is that important? Yeah. I mean, at the end of the day, the account selection is the cornerstone of a good ABM motion because you're going to be putting a lot of money toward your marketing in these sections, right? Um, it's it's a combination of market research. It's a combination of product knowledge and it's a combination of sales experience to really get it right. Mm. Um, you know, at the end of the day, I always say you have to start with what is our product that we're selling? What is it solving? And who is it mm-hmm. solving for? And think about that not just from it's solving it for every single HR buyer, but think about is it every single HR buyer in the universe or are you solving it for a very specific type of buyer? Um, do they have a certain mindset that you're solving for? Uh, if you're if you're on the cutting edge of something, like are you solving for a very specific pain that you can say out of these 50 HR clients, 18 of them may be facing this because they have certain technology, right? So you can you can really start to fine tune what that uh, what that target account looks like. But that's kind of the that's kind of the end goal, and and it takes a lot of work to get there. 
So what I would say is start with what what problem is my product solving? How are we doing it uniquely? And then think about, first of all, what type of industry and what type of size of account is going to be most aligned to what we're solving for. If you're if you are inherently a small business product, it's going to take a lot of work to move upstream into the enterprise space. If you're an enterprise product, it's going to take a lot of work to be able to do a fast uh, transactional sale motion to small business. And then you have everything in between. So really start to focus on what are the segments that we can realistically sell into? What are the industries that are most likely to have the pains that we're solving? And then within those accounts, who are the buyers that I need to be targeting? Um, as you start to get that message and and start to learn through the sales experience, because they're ultimately the one, the sales team is the ultimate people who are taking the calls, trying to close the deals. So build that feedback loop with sales to to further fine tune what your target account strategy should be. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I have a question on that because uh, I think. I've been like actually really shocked and surprised sometimes when when working with uh, some companies and clients and even companies that I've I've been hired into and I I come in and I'm like okay what's our ICP like who who are the companies that have a like you know that our our product is really suited for um, like kind of all the things that you said and because you know I would I would come in and instantly want to kind of build out segmentations, scoring models and stuff like that. And I was shocked where I I wasn't getting like clear information from anyone. I wasn't even sometimes getting like seeing that information. It was like, well, you know, like so far we have these customers and this is our, like, you know, and then we're kind of just selling to the people that have like expressed interest. And, and I was just, be like kind of shocked by that. So then I I would do kind of like a reverse. I would take that and be like, okay, well, what about product marketing? Like, you know, and they'd be like, oh, we don't, you know, we don't have product marketing. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But usually that's where some of that data comes from too, where they're kind of focusing on, 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 on that data. But I would then just kind of go look at our customers and see if there's any trends and things like that. Um, so for like sales operators or rev, rev ops, um, revenue operators and stuff, if, if they are getting kind of not the data to support that kind of looking, you know, look at that, like, do you feel like it would make sense to kind of go back and just look at the data that you have now? Or is there, do you think that that would be um, anything else that you think can help them focus? Because I, I think sometimes we assume this is like very obvious, but in some cases it's not. Yeah, I mean, uh, uh, from my from my history, we, we, we did a transition of going from an IT buyer into a security buyer, like we changed our mm. entire product line. So we couldn't just say, well, well, let's look at our customer base because our customer right. base, we wanted to shift. But if you are in a situation where, you know, you've been selling the product for a few years, you have a customer base that you can work off of, um, let's start there and run a win and a loss analysis, because Mm -hmm. the losses are just as important as understanding who your customers are. 
So if you can really start to see, we keep on creating opportunities, we get them into the pipeline, but we don't close it out. And it's these three industries that we keep on falling behind. Stop building pipeline toward those three (laughs) industries. You know, you can always bring them in if it's a fast track contact sales sort of motion. I would never turn away business. But when Mm -hmm. you really start to focus, you may start to see these are where our customers align from an industry and segment uh, and account size perspective or revenue, right? That's another, that's another key area. Um, And then, and then you can say, these are all the ones that we're losing. So maybe we need to put less of our marketing focus on it and kind of react to those buyers um, Mm -hmm. and still make it a great experience. We want to solve that across the board. Um, Mm -hmm. On the flip side, you also hear a lot of people who say, well, the entire market is ours. The, the $8.2 billion market yeah. is, is ours for the picking, right? And, and I just challenged that. I mean, at the end of the day, everybody needs a cell phone, but there are very specific buyers that certain cell phone companies or cell phone makers are targeting. And totally. they've fine-tuned that, right? And just because everybody needs a cell phone doesn't mean that you're going to have 100% market penetration. It's the same thing for any business. Um, yeah. So, so you know... There's, there's a lot of, um, there's a lot of efficiencies to be gained when you realize what should we not be doing just as much as what should we be doing? I love that. I love that. That's great. So beyond like, say you've identified your ICP, like how do you then kind of like focus that account selection even further? Cause like you said, ICP could be your tab is huge, but like, that's still not really going to be useful for account based marketing. So how do you kind of focus that down even more. Yeah. I think that this is an area where um, you have to partner up with your sales team first, right? Um, if you have, if you have a TAM that's going to be, let's go, let's keep it simple and say 400 accounts, but I only have eight sales reps. Well, where should we be focusing? Where should we be prioritizing from a salesperson's perspective? And, and, and make sure that you're aligning with what they're focusing on within their patch. Because the more that marketing is supporting the sales team, the more likely that you're going to penetrate into those specific accounts. Because that's what, what ABM is essentially trying to do is, is, is you're trying to create demand within specific accounts. Mm-hmm. But if you're, if you're both targeting it, hit different, different accounts, you're wasting a lot of energy, right? Um, and then, and then there's another area where a lot of technology is really helping get like fill this gap, right? Whether it be an ABM tool, whether it be a data provider, that's just providing you intent data or mm-hmm. website data. I always say like, focus your energy, uh, fo- focus your time and effort and investment on getting good quality data. Because mm-hmm. what you're trying to do is you're trying to say, here's, here's my TAM, here's my ICP, and then here's my ICP that's in market. Mm-hmm. How many times is it like, I, I'm getting emailed all the time asking, hey, do you, want, do you want a meeting? Do you want a meeting? But I'm not trying to solve that problem today. But if you can start to get some of these like signals that are never 100%, that's not the intention of intent data, um, but it is to try and like raise awareness on where you could put some of your of your focus from a marketing perspective and a sales perspective and start to target these accounts that are showing signals. Um, I think that that's really key. Yeah. I think and, this is an area where you can also kind of like test out a proof of concept 
of data before going like all into a platform that's really expensive that's going to provide data. Um, like I think everyone like needs to realize like most ABM platforms are going to be like minimum 60K per year. And yeah. like that's a pretty big investment for like a startup. I know it's not much maybe compared for an enterprise, but like so like launching that you want to be like really ready and you want to have like this data already kind of nailed down. So, but one way to start testing out kind of those buying intent signals is just trying to figure out sources for getting that data mm -hmm. and knowing that there's two types of intent. Like there's in, like people showing interest on your site. You can get that anonymously and, or like known and see if there's trends or there's like third party data and kind of like aggregating that together. So there's like, you know, Bumbora or, you know, other sources that maybe you can get directly or even from a data source you already have, um, like Zoom Info. And so I think that could be a good place to even like prove out, like you said, data is really important, but I think even taking that data and proving out to say, okay, well, now that we have this intent data, like how can we then use it in a very kind of like low effort way where we're not going all in to just a platform first. Yeah. So I, I and I think that's a great place to do it first. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And and I'm actually experiencing that with a few clients right now where they're like, I know that I want to move this way, but I don't know enough information to really justify that cost, right? So mm -hmm. we are using something like a Zoom Info or a Clearbit to get some of that info. I mean, mm -hmm. if you think about it, you could start as simple as your marketing automation platform, which yeah. has a lot of anonymous data that you can start to kind of say, these are the people at least coming to our website and maybe maybe kind of get some refined uh, campaigns going toward those accounts and see, can I increase my conversion just within that pool? Um, I love so that there's probably a that. lot of, I think that's that like have. low. Yeah. And that's low hanging fruit. That I think people, a lot of people forget about, I like, you know, back like 12 years ago, 13 years ago at Marketo, we had just like that web activity reports and I would build it based on like geos. And yes, it wasn't perfect because Sometimes when you do a reverse IP lookup and you're seeing people, you know, tied to like their homes, which is hard now with remote working, Yeah. but you can get, at least get like some, some level of data, see what it's like, it's, you know, it's not great, like move on, but at least start, like you said, start with the tools that you have. Yeah. And I mean, you also have content syndication vendors who have totally. some, have some targeting that you can work with, uh, leveraging your paid media agencies sometimes they have you know data that they can provide um so you don't have to just go into a platform explore what's going to make sense for your business and, and your size and your maturity there mm -hmm. i think that one of the one of the pieces that we that we do tend to to, to recommend is like having a really strong data structure under it it doesn't mm -hmm. have to be an abm data but like just data is king and mm -hmm. if you can have the right accounts in your system, if you can have the right buyers in your system so that you know who it is within those accounts that you are trying to target, um, mm -hmm. you can have a lot more success. So that that's an area like if I if I had 60K to spend, that's probably mm -hmm. where I would focus that spend is first on that underlying data and then trying to figure out how I can make this more operationalized over time. Um, win a few opportunities and your CEO is going to be a lot more likely to say, yeah, let's, let's invest in this, uh, in this tool to, to get even more out of it. Yeah, totally. 
Um, so as far as like focusing, I know we talked about kind of like using more of those like intent, like that intent data, but as far as like zeroing in on, so maybe we have accounts, we know now which ones are in market. We know which ones are showing buying intent signals. We're kind of whittling that down to even a smaller list that's very targeted. Like, and you, you know, you have the data structure underneath that. Can you, can you talk about too, like, is there any way then to also then like focus those out even more? Um, and then how do you kind of focus like which, you know, people to go after? Cause I think that can be a big thing too. It's like, okay, well we know who these accounts are, but like, what should we do as far as actually like engaging them and penetrating them? Like, you know, how should we structure that? How should we go about that? And is there any way then to, to, to then even prioritize, say, your account ABM list even more so that an SDR and a salesperson and a marketing person can be focused on a certain amount of counts the right way? Because a, a salesperson is probably going to be focused on less accounts than, say, marketing is when they're going out mm -hmm. with, like, to market. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so you, you know, you get the, you get the account data in Salesforce or in your CRM, um, kind of two, th there's basically three things that you can, it's probably more than three, but there's three things that I'm going to mention that you can, uh, that you can uh, <laughs> assess for accounts. And that would be tiering your accounts, sort of like mm -hmm. your tier, you tier leads today, right? We do a lot of us do demographic scoring and we say, here's the traits and here's how we're going to prioritize it. You can do the same thing on the account side. Um, so you can say if revenues within this range, if company size is in that range, and if it's these, uh, in, and it's these industries, those are my A accounts, my B accounts, my C accounts. And so marketing is targeting all of your A, B, and C accounts, right? It's mm -hmm. a much, it's a much wider funnel, but the sales team is only going to be focused on those 20 A accounts per sales rep, right? Mm -hmm. And those 20 A accounts, hopefully we're supplementing it with some of that intent and, and, and different buying signal behavior. Um, and that's going to, that can be very fluid. That can be something that you're updating on a, a monthly basis. If you're really doing it based upon uh, sort of those, those signals um, or at the very least, like you could be reevaluating that on a quarterly basis. Um, mm -hmm. Some accounts will, everybody has different buying cycles. So some of those accounts are going to carry over month to month and quarter to quarter, but you really make sure that the sales team is trying to get as deep as possible into that account. Um, mm -hmm. So start with account tiering. You can support account tiering with like account scoring. So yeah. now we can really start to think about like, what are those signals and can we automate that in the, in, in our systems? Um, to ultimately influence what those ratings should be. So it doesn't become something that's very stale. Mm -hmm. um, and then, and then the third element is um, an account funnel. So understanding like we, we, we have lead funnels in place where we have a, a sales an MQL or a sales ready lead, uh, we can do the same sort of thing uh, with accounts and we can have, you know, marketing qualified accounts or sales qualified accounts. Um, and you can influence that with your lead behavior. Um, mm -hmm. But I would always recommend that you still measure them separately. 
Mm-hmm. You you know, there's nothing wrong with having an account funnel and you report on that account funnel one way and you also have a lead funnel and you and you report on that lead funnel another way, because what you're trying to do is you're trying to say, here's the accounts that are important within these accounts. This is where your leads. This is where the, the individual buyers are at in our process. So that way, the sales team knows not only what accounts to target, but also who within those t- uh, accounts to go after. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, I love that. I, I like that you mentioned um, the account scoring because I think one of the the arduous part that you talked about as far, as far as tiering is sometimes that can be fluid and it can be like so fluid that like it ends up being like something you need to update regularly. And so I think th- there are tools that can help with kind of like aggregation of a lot of that data on the account or you can set up rules with like say your Salesforce admin to kind of do a combination of getting all of the data from like your match leads and contacts underneath it mixed with like account level. Um, But you can set the ranges like, hey, once it hits this threshold, this account should be an A. And as long as they're not like a customer already or, you know, in pipeline, you can have different different rules on top of that. And then you can um, set that rating automatically. And then you can like maybe even have alerting set up to say like, hey, there's a new like A account, you know, assigned to you and send that over to like an SDR or or, like the the AE who owns it. Um, And so I really like that uh, structure. There are tools that can make that a little bit easier. Even Lean Data has some has a kind of module to help out with some account scoring aggregation. So I think definitely look into that, but I, mm-hmm. I, I, um, I think like you mentioned, like just the using, um, kind of as much of like the automation that you can to kind of like prioritize those, um, it can be super useful because I think we, we started out everything like everything in operations. We started out with like great intentions of like, oh yeah, but don't worry. Like a sales rep is going to, update that or, you know, yeah. oh, we'll update that on a quarterly basis. And as we know, like things get busy and, and things like that. So the more you can make that process, maybe something you come back to and reiterate on, but not something that you have to like, uh, do a lot of manual work to update. I think the better. Could you imagine manually lead scoring? <laughs> <laughs> You know, like at the end of the day, I think that that we always start everything manual, which is smart, but there comes a point when you go, okay, now we do have to automate this and we have to make this something that is much more natural. Um, Another data point that we didn't necessarily talk about was like Google alerts or uh, Mm -hmm. I know Zoom Info has has, um, um, kind of the news that that bubbles up. Um, And Mm. I know that a lot of other providers do as well, because if you think about it, if you if you're selling security software. And, a, and an organization gets a brand new CISO, that brand mm. new CISO is going to be spending their budget within the first three months because they're trying to make the biggest impact when they come in. And that's when they get the most budget. And that's when they also have the ability to uh, actually implement change, make that impact. And then they kind of go into the flow of the business, right? So if you can start to target, like, here's my accounts within the industries, and these are the ones that have new CISOs or new CMOs or new CEOs or anything, um, it can go a long way. Yeah, I like that. That can even be like a campaign in itself that marketing can be focused on, but then leverage maybe SDRs or something to do 
some of the outreach uh, for that or follow up based on if they're so, uh, yeah, I, I love that. I think thinking through um, when we talk about ABM, like you're being really focused on the account, don't screw it up and then not be focused <laughs> on like how you're actually going to penetrate that account too. Yeah. Um, and so having compelling events and things like that, that you can, especially for, from an outbound perspective, um, compelling events for that, uh, can be really useful because essentially you're personalizing as much as possible. Yeah. They're more likely to, to kind of respond. And, and so I love that. Yeah. Um, you mentioned account funnel. And I, I think you, you talked about the importance of still maintaining your lead funnel. Um, when it comes to developing those stages, um, there can be, you, you mentioned MQAs, um, but there's tools out there like Sixth Sense, I know, assigns like account stages based on certain rules and they have their way of setting that and uh, demand base, you can set like your own rules for account stages and uh, but how do you feel like uh, an account funnel and account like stage tracking can be useful from like a reporting perspective? Like, what do you think is, and like, how can that be operationalized to give like marketing the data that they need versus like what sales is more interested in? Yeah, I always, what I find it, what I find really interesting is uh, with account based is that you're aggregating a lot of data across multiple people within an account, yeah. right? And you're and you're in an ideal state, you have insights into offsite behavior, such as intent, um, or onsite behavior, but it it hasn't been a form fill yet. And I feel mm -hmm. like so much of our lead based funnels just rely on a form fill or somebody to come to an event or or some sort of direct integration where I say I have your I have your name. Um, and on the account side, you can really start to go further up funnel um, in a, you know, you have a target stage, which is just no activity, but I know that these are the accounts that I want to target into. You can then move into an awareness stage of, um, you know, these are the accounts that are aware of kind of the problem that your product solves, but mm -hmm. they're not yet aware of you. Yeah. Right. Um, so you're doing maybe, maybe, uh, signals that are more, um, problem and solution focused as opposed to, uh, like branded keywords. Mm -hmm. But what you can do is you can move into that branded keywords and maybe it's like a, a nurture phase or an engaged phase from an account perspective where they're either showing you uh, signals on your account uh, coming to your website or they're searching for things that are like specifically your product names, your competitors, your, uh, your product names or anything like that. Um, and then when they actually convert with you and they start engaging with webinars, form fills, engaging with your content. Um, now you can start to move them into what I would call a, a stage of like, I, I, I don't know if I would call it. I think that a lot of the, a lot of the, the vendors are calling it this as well is like a consideration or a decision phase. And that's mm -hmm. where you really hand it off to the sales team. It's not relying on the form fill, which means that now as a company, you can ungate more content 
confidently because you know that you can still get the right accounts in front of the sales team. You can educate your buyers with better content. So now they're more likely to want to actually convert when they speak to sales. And then you give them really good experiences when they do actually submit that form. And maybe it's just a request a demo or contact sales, but you supplement that with the right with the right processes for speed to lead, which we've talked about in previous podcasts. And I think we'll be talking about further this year as we've had some learnings. Um, but when you can get it in front of a sales team before there's ever a form fill, there's something magical about it. I remember, mm -hmm. I remember getting feedback from the sales team when we, when I first implemented ABM in my, in an organization and they said, you know, the buyer said, how did you know I was even here? How did you know that I was that I was like like trying to solve this problem? Um, and you know, you never say like, well, we have stuff that's like doing a lot of intense signaling. Um, but it's like it's like you you're very relevant and it's gonna be much more likely to convert. And then you can move into your opportunity stages and you're managing it like you have been. Um, because the sales team has kind of always been doing ABM. They've always been looking mm -hmm. at accounts. But when we do think about like a traditional lead funnel, usually what I would see is I get a sales ready person. I work that one person. Mm -hmm. What if we got a sales ready person from account A and we contacted account, we contacted that, that lead, but then we also supplemented it with three other contacts that are within that mm -hmm. account. And that's mm -hmm. the step that I don't necessarily see, right? We put it into a sequence. We try and contact that single person, but it's like that person's raising their hand for a reason. There's probably other people in the account that are thinking the same thing. And yeah. so if you can kind of start to supplement your lead funnel and your account funnel, and you're doing the same tactics and the same smart marketing and smart sales, you can really start to win. Totally. Yeah. I love that. I think that, um, that also has to do with, I, I think with some of the broken process sometimes that we communicate on the like lead follow-up side is like they say, oh, well, if this person's like just a manager and I guess I'll follow up with them, <laughs> stuff like that. It's like, well, I mean, you know, their CMO probably doesn't have time to go fill out a form for a demo. So <laughs> like, uh, I wouldn't like not follow up with that person, but to your yeah. point with good follow-up, yes, you see that manager, but also, okay, who else, you know, who's that person's boss? Like who's their boss? And um, who are the, you know, people at that account? Oh, this person used to work here. That's one of our customers. That's probably the reason why they're reaching out. You know, so I think from an ABM perspective or orchestration to your point, like it's that different mentality, that business like mentality of like thinking about it from the overall account. And even with lead gen, yes, you have one person, but let's do the research to see what are all the other people at this account. Yeah. Who I can target or maybe even have shown interest and they just forgot, you know, or you're not seeing that. Um, and that, that's how you sell to accounts. Like yeah. <laughs> I will say like being a business owner, yeah, I'm not probably filling out the form for tools, but I'm still the person that signs off that we're going to buy it. Yeah. Right. And so if you're reaching out to me and saying like how you're engaging with someone else on my team and you're trying to also then tell me the value of the tool, yeah, maybe I'll see that at least. And I'll be, I'll be like, Hey, you know, I got this or, Oh yeah, I saw that, you know? And so it's just building that brand awareness and trust. that will make getting that purchase even easier. Yes. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> any final thoughts on that side or maybe even around the orchestration, like how 
marketing and kind of sales can work together then you know um across this the accounts in those stages yeah i'm you know we, we we just recently had a conversation specifically around orchestration and i think with abm like that topic uh definitely listen to that podcast i think this is going to come out after that podcast yep um so mm -hmm. if you haven't had a chance to listen to it yet please do because there's a lot of really great information on how do how to orchestrate between sales and marketing um if you are targeting the same accounts, you have to be mindful about, you know, what does that look like? And maybe within those accounts, you don't do your typical nurture. Maybe you have an account-based focused nurture and you have an account-based focused orchestration within your, your sales engagement platform. Um, you know, really try to try to fine tune that as closely as possible because, you know, they're going to be getting a lot of marketing if you're targeting into that account, whether it's from LinkedIn, display ads, outbound, all of those things. So the more that the more that you can be united in what is the message that I'm trying to get into this account, um, I think the better off that it's going to be. And it's going to feel less about like getting hit from every side and more like, wow, I should really be paying attention to what organization A is doing. Mm -hmm. One thing that I... I used to always ask guests and I feel like I haven't done in a while, but what do you think is like one thing that people do wrong with APM as the last question? Yeah. Like what, do you, what do you think is like a common thing or even they don't even do wrong, but they want to do and, and you have like even told clients, oh no, don't do that because we know it doesn't work. Um, but yeah, anything come to mind to you? Yeah, I think with ABM, um, we, we still too often have this idea of whale hunting in our minds yeah. of what is ABM. Oh, ABM is I'm going to go spend $3 million trying to get this giant enterprise. Mm -hmm. And, you know, account-based marketing, I always, I always just called it selling to accounts because then you get marketing out of it. It's a sales and marketing focus, right? You're, 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 you're selling into accounts and it's a different motion but it's still utilizing the same concepts of, of your lead based. There is a place for whale hunting and there's a place for like, I'm an ABM marketer and I'm going to do specific campaigns into these large accounts, but it's not something that's fit for every organization. And so if you think, oh, we're not ready for ABM, that's something that, that like you should question like, well, well what aren't you ready for? Because I would agree, most organizations are not ready to go spend $3 million trying to get a single account. But if you're telling me that you're not ready to target into accounts specifically, um, that's just that that's a prioritization exercise more than it is a maturity exercise. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I'll say one thing too that often for my side I think gets overlooked is if you do have like partners. Um, or if you sell through like the channel, that could be a great source of like data to help you prioritize certain accounts. Yes. And so if you can get into a cadence too, uh, and, and, and twofold, like one, if you're meeting regularly with your partners and they have a good sense for what accounts are, you know, potentially good fits, but maybe haven't expressed interest like yet. I think, you know, getting some of that data in a certain way on a certain cadence, like quarterly could be useful, but then also making sure your partners know who your target accounts are Yeah. and like, do they, um, have relationships there and like things like that? Because I, I often see that as like miss, but also they can tell you if your list is just crappy, too. <laughs> like no, 
this is hard to say, but I recently had a case where I saw a list from a partner and I'm like, wow, I like this is okay, but like I think you're missing out on like some accounts that actually are really good fits for you and, and gave them some feedback. So definitely leverage some partners, advisors on that side as well. And I, I think that that gets overlooked a lot. A lot of our partners are, are you know, they're selling into the same accounts and right. and usually they're, they're, the targeting is very similar. So you can learn a lot from them as well. Yeah. Yeah. Alrighty. Well, to wrap it up, for those of you who are taking notes um, and want to get the TLDR version, so to start, you know, account-based marketing is somewhat similar but different to traditional lead gen, where your just focus is, you know, tighter. You're doing more smart marketing. Marketing. You're focusing your efforts on accounts that are a good fit for you and have a higher propensity to buy. So, like Xander said, not the full flock of, of ducks, but just the blue ones um, is the approach. And then when it comes to account selection, you really want this to be where you focus like your data. Like this is a huge part of ABM and leveraging, having the right ICP and fit, and then layering on um, other identification to help whittle that down. So that could be, you know, intent data, buying signals, um, and you can have a ton of different sources for that that you can leverage. And then making sure you're identifying too, who is like your key buying committee that you can target underneath those accounts so that when you're not just focused on the accounts, but you're also focused on the right people. And then for those accounts, tiering them is great because not like you can actually then focus your sales team on the right accounts. And you can do that through account scoring or specific rules um, like a and like a lead like an account rating like ABCD or one two three um, similar like you would do for lead scoring and then when it comes to like kind of uh, closing the deal or the accounts and focusing everyone's efforts um, defining an account funnel can be super useful and that doesn't mean like replacing your lead funnel but an account funnel can actually help you identify what are the specific stages for the account this is all the leads and contacts of the account and how that gives you signals into which account is engaged which one like maybe knows about us but is not super engaged which one has no engagement at all and then all the way down into your sales funnel. And this way, like marketing maybe knows where to target certain campaigns and then sales can be prioritized on the ones that are interested, like your, your ones that are in decision, you know, MQA phase. And then uh, maybe even you missed out on that and it goes straight into decision phase. And so that data, we say a lot, the data here is super important. You'll notice that we didn't we didn't focus on tools that much on this <laughs> on this uh, episode. We really talked about the strategy and the data and how that can be leveraged um, for your strategy. So, um, yeah, those are our top tips. Did I miss any, Xander? No, I don't think so. I think that that that's a great wrap up there. Thank you. Awesome. Well, I enjoyed you sharing your tips, <laughs> Xander, with everyone, and I'll let you close it out. Awesome. Thanks so much for giving me the opportunity to speak about something that I'm very passionate about. And I think that uh, a lot of organizations would benefit from this, from this approach uh, to ABM. This was the Forward Thinking Podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please do give us a review. It helps us get in front of more people. Thank you so much for listening. Have a great day.